PulpMX Network Production. This is the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Kiefer Tested Podcast. The podcast you come to for the straight insight on all things moto-centric. Hard parts, bikes, gear, suspension, motor mods, and more. It's Kiefer Tested. Here he is, Chris Kiefer. Welcome back, everybody. This is part two of our Engine Builders podcast, where we all can just sit back, relax, and get smarter after listening to these two gentlemen speak about their craft. Uh, Like I said in part one, these two guys are top-notch people, for one, and great engine builders. And, man, some of the best bikes that I have ridden have come from these two gentlemen right here. So... Uh, sit back, relax. Here's part two with Jamie Ellis from Twisted Development, where we'll talk about uh, everything that he has done. Also, with all the race teams that he's been involved with, how he got started in the sport. And, uh, yeah, I think you'll find it interesting uh, to hear about his background and where he's going with his business today. So thank you guys for supporting this show, and thank you guys for supporting our advertisers, as always, for 2022. Any questions with this podcast or our advertisers, hit me up. Chris at KieferIncTesting.com. And as always, if you see me around Southern California at the track, come by, say hi. If you want to bullshit about motorcycles, I am happy to do that, man. Love talking dirt bikes, anything two wheels. We can sit back, relax, and just enjoy it. Thank you guys for listening to these shows. We will see you next week with some more stuff. All right, guys. uh, Second part to this, I guess what I like to call the Engine Guru podcast here. Uh, Jamie Ellis. You guys know him from the Twisted Development uh, of course, dude, you've been around a long time, and every time I talk to someone, they're like, if you want your engine fast, you got to go see Jamie. So, Jamie, how are you? I'm doing great. Yeah, we're so far, you know, we're three rounds deep into Supercross, and everything's been going really good. We lost one of our, you know, top 450 guys over the weekend, Savachi, towards ACL, so that kind of sucks. Um, everybody else is healthy and still going, and a lot of opportunity ahead. So yeah, we're excited for a good season. So for people that maybe not be familiar with what you've been doing in the, in the industry and for how long, give us your backstory a little bit. Okay. So I'm, um, from a small town in Louisiana. It's called Lake Charles and, um, you know, didn't really start riding motorcycles. So I was 12 or 13 and basically kind of from that point forward, I wanted it to be my life. I, would drive about an hour each way, you know, uh, Lafayette, there's a couple tracks there and then, um, going into Houston. So we started off just sticking around Louisiana, riding trails. We have a great trail system out there. And, um, that turned into, well, let's, let's try a little bit of racing. And then that turned into obviously not riding much trails, but keeping going down the road. So, um, you know, I, I raced all through high school and then, um, right after high school, I didn't see racing as a career path and I still don't. Um, but however, so I went to college, I went to, you know, work on airplanes and helicopters. And basically the way that this whole thing started was after I graduated college and was still racing locally, this guy that, you know, he's from Texas and he was like, Hey man, you just graduated college. You got no good excuse. Come on the road with me. Just do supercross one year. Well, give me one season. I need a mechanic. (laughs) So I said, all right. So I, um, I moved out of the house I was in. I put everything in storage. 
and I went on the road in a um, toter home. So we did the East Coast series, you know, kind of who was, who that was this with Jeff Demant. So it was uh, Maestro Suzuki. It was kind of hot and cold for a minute there. Yeah, yeah. But but they um, yeah. So so I was a mechanic for that team, and and my first job we drove out to Millsaps's uh, MTF, and we did some training out there. And obviously, they had really cool pit bike tracks. So I was excited about that. Um, so anyway, we that that's kind of how the whole thing started. I just decided to go for one season. Just graduated college. I was free, and then now you know I've uprooted my life. I live in California, married, two kids. Um, love it here. Don't love the taxes. A couple other things, but <laughs> where I live is pretty special. This Marietta community and where we're at, you know, it's kind of like its own island almost. It's it's far enough inland from the beach to not be overly expensive, and less desirable maybe to some. But obviously, there's we're the center of all of the motocross tracks, so if you're going to, you know, have some opportunity and you can't make it here, you're probably not going to make it in a rural area. So what about so the Rockstar Suzuki days? Okay. So fast forward, obviously, you know, that thing with Suzuki ended that year. And so at Colorado that year, Jeff DeMint ended up hurting himself. I think in the first moto, got a really good start and was like probably riding over his head, pinning it. Hey, and, real quick, um, real quick about Jeff DeMint. He's a weird dude. <laughs> eight skate and donate Dude, now jeff, jeff jeff's guy. an interesting character yes. yeah we called his dad r2d2 because he was kind of <laughs> you know on it too but um but no jeff jeff ended up being really cool like he had his own little quirks and everything but um he definitely respected his mechanics so i, I really don't have anything bad to say about jeff i just remember being with jeff and, and when i was racing in canada and we were on the same team and yeah he had a lot of, of weird things that he went through like just just, Did he ever try to play dice? Be nice, dice. Eight just skate and donate. And just he would the, always try to hustle everybody for money. Just the weird things he would do pre race, like he would have yeah. these little quirky things that he would do, and I'm like, yeah. And we would be driving somewhere to the next track, and he would talk to himself a little bit, and I'm like, what, what's up? And he's like, oh no. Did, I'm he, just did he ever to hit you with that third person? Yes. <laughs> hey, yeah. Jeff Demet wouldn't want to do that. I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> so yeah, sorry no. i interrupted you there go ahead yeah no that's for a good laugh yeah but um yeah so so at colorado i'd spoken to dave osterman who was running the yamaha troy team at the time and i'd had an interview with him there and i kind of you know he's like hey you really want to do this huh you want to move to california you want to do it all i said yeah i'm i'm into it like i kind of got a taste of it um you know growing up in louisiana i didn't see motorcycles as a career path i didn't see going to mmi i didn't see like being a mechanic, I didn't see any of it. All I saw was I liked riding them a lot. And, um, you know, I, I chose aviation cause I liked the idea of kind of being a tra traveling mechanic, you know, okay. you can work contract to contract. So you can kind of go around, maybe you're not stuck. You can see a bunch of places. So I traveling was in my forecast. I just didn't know it was going to be with motorcycles that have taken me all over the world. Right. So I'm very, you know, really thankful for, for that opportunity. So, I, I meet with Dave Osterman and he goes, okay, yep. So then now the off season, right? Mm -hmm. I'm already back in Louisiana. I'm just, you know, working for my old boss. I left on good terms. And so I'm just kind of there hanging. And then um, Dave goes, well, hey, are you ready? Let's go. So I loaded up my Chevrolet 1500 pickup truck with my pit bike, toolboxes, and some general clothes 
put everything in storage, you know, again. And then I drove to California and I haven't moved back since. So that was in 2005. So I've kind of been here and doing motorcycles ever since then. And so that's that's kind of a, a small town, you know, boy ends up big city doing something completely out of anybody from Louisiana's career path. But how long was the stretch at Rockstar Suzuki? So, all right, fast forwarding to Yamaha Troy. So yeah. I get there. Oh, shit. Um, right whenever I get there, I build the first aluminum frame YZ2BDF. So if that dates me of how long I've been working on them. I didn't know um, none of this. This is interesting to me. I didn't know none of this about you. Yeah, so Brett Metcalf, I'm I'm his mechanic. Um, I turn up, I build the bike, and I'm pretty much just turning the bolts at Frenchie at the time, who was the crew chief. You yep. probably remember C4MX Frenchie. Yep. So he was um, – you know, he was very helpful and he was just, you know, so I was the mechanic. I put everything together and did everything. We went testing and, and then Brett won the U S open. So oh, that yeah, was I remember really that. cool. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So we're like, Hey, new bike, first race wins. Like, Oh, it's just awesome. Fun after parties. Everything was fun. And then, um, <laughs> he said after parties, <laughs> <laughs> it was good. I was still really young then. So I was excited about those things. Yep. Um, so after that, I go back to the shop, still working. Obviously, we all have the new bike now. That year, it was 121, 122, 123, and 124. So mm-hmm. Brandon Jessamine, Matt Walker, Metcalf, and Andrew McFarlane. So after Metcalf wins the U.S. Open, he goes back to Australia on holiday. And there's not any determination of what's going on as far as to who's going to work for who. Obviously, Mehdi and I got on real good. Um, but then as he went home, McFarland had just come over from GPs and he was injured. So I, you know, naturally was working with him going to the test track every day. And they basically said, Hey, we'd like to have Jamie be our mechanic. And so that kind of put Osterman in a weird spot where he's like, uh, okay. So then he had to explain to Medi whenever he got back that his wrench got moved to somebody else. But then Brett and I ended up being very close anyway. After that, we, um, you know, we've been good friends for a long time. Wow. So, so then rocks. So at that time it was boost mobile Yamaha and we were getting a little sideways with sponsor dollars with Yamaha with whatever. And so I networked that summer, you know, through, cause Andrew was having good results. So like, you know, the difference of a, a Carlos mechanic or a brand new mechanic, like if the bolts are being held tight, that's cool. But obviously you know, you got to hold the bolts tight to be a mechanic. So <laughs> with that being said, it looks better when your guy does better. And Carlos is amazing, by the way. I don't know if, if you know him, but I know him a little bit. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah, always high, really good. high regards for that guy. He does a lot at KTM and he's like their unsung hero. Um, so, so regardless of that, I would just say that that summer I networked again with KTM and then that landed me a job to work for michael essie so now i'm moving from valencia where the yamaha troy shop was down to marietta and that's where i still am today um so i worked for mike you know no seven in the nick way in 08 and then oddly enough um you know ktm wasn't doing that good their ktm 450 was you know big girl and really heavy and just kind of was outdated so that was before the whole raj and ian takeover yeah so at that point you know ktm wasn't going to go supercross racing except for with mdk ktm so i kind of saw the writing on the wall i built one bike for mike brown in off-road because they moved me to the off-road department 
and it was like all of my tie bolts were still in my area and everything was there and i'm just bolting all of this sledgehammer stuff on this bike to do um enduro cross okay and so like i pick it up on the stand and we still had some nationals to go and i just said you know what I mean, I kind of felt at the time that I could be racing the work series, you know, it's kind of like where at that time, some of the, I think it's elevated from then, but at some of that time, like the guys who were kind of going towards retirement would head to that direction. And so I'm like, most of the spectators were fans. And I just thought, you know, I'm all the way from Louisiana. I love supercross motocross. I just, I got to find another job within the industry. So at that stage, I went over to Canada, Kawasaki. Mm-hmm. to work for pj larson yep and so so that starts my tenure at rockstar um canada kawasaki in 2008 uh go through that season and it was kind of a cool team because we all built our own engines you know so at ktm I, I got let into the engine department i got to do dyno work but i never you know built engines there so at yamaha Troy, we were building engines um and then at ktm they had an engine department so you know I didn't really build that many of them except for service work or whatever. And then, so now I'm back into building engines again, which I always thought was the better of the scenario between suspension and engines. So at that stage, start at there, start with Kawasaki's. Then one year later, we switched to Suzuki's. And then that starts obviously Rockstar Suzuki. And we, I stayed there until 2014 mm. after we turned into rockstar ktm and jason anderson won the west coast championship that season um so that's kind of whenever twisted development was born the summer of 2014 um you know as it goes two small kids traveling a lot yep. kind of getting burned out of doing it the way i was doing it and that that's the birth of obviously what's been the coolest thing that's ever happened in my life which is this company yeah so that's actually a good question. So 2014, 2015-ish, there is there wasn't really a lot of engine and hop up, you know, motocross shops back then, right? Not like there is now. Mm, no, they were still there. Like you had Merge Racing, who still does it and does I think does a good job. And then Frenchy C4 um was was pretty going then. Chad Sander was still doing it, was at 1011 mods, and then you had a couple other, you know people pop but even up some of those guys nowadays they're not they're not there no more you know like 1110 c4 is gone like like you, you've held the test of time like you've been around a bit <laughs> yeah well and and i always like to say you know it's not from a lack of effort we're like what we're doing today is what the best of what we can and then we're striving to be better tomorrow so that's kind of our our philosophy of growth is we have to provide stuff that's better to the consumer than anyone else. Otherwise we have no advantage for the consumer. So, so that, that mentality of like selling the best of what you have today and working on something better for tomorrow is I think the forefront of how this business has, you know, gotten to where we are. What have you seen in engines as you know, from 2014, 15 till now, as you crack open these things, what do you see is so much different in the span of eight to 10 years? Well, the production bikes are getting better. Um, you know, with the Yamaha and and the and when I say production bikes, it likes giving us a better platform. Like in most cases, we don't use much of the stock stuff in our like, really high performance builds. Give me a start over on that because the alarm went off. No, you're fine. Go ahead. Okay. Um, 
so so with that being said in in that light like the bikes are coming better and that's giving us a better platform to go ahead so like back in 2009 you know like a good 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 running 250f was 40 horse right and like you'd always you know oh, what does pro circuit have you know because they're like they were at they were so much further advanced than everyone else at the time that they had this guy named drino who's yet passed but i guess he was amazing and just really had a handle of like four-stroke development so so they kind of led the way and and they strong-armed everyone. They had such a hold on the industry because they had these contacts that not a lot of people had. So if you wanted a piston, even if you wanted a custom piston, you you know you might have to go through Pro Circuit to get it. Where now I'm ordering more pistons than I'm not, and the development of pistons is never-ending. You know, so with with that type of process, it's just the fact that the bikes are coming better and the connection to direct connection to companies like je wiseco you know and all of those companies that now I, I have my own representative that deals with just our account and we're ordering you know daily and developing daily so i would say that that's probably one of the biggest technical advantages like um our camshafts come from webcam there's a pack of ladies there that are like dude they've been retarded. there for years i know Lori has been there really since i worked at xrs only yep it's really interesting, you know, that like we, we, we had a really good staff person here. Her name was Sydney. And so when you called our shop, you got Sydney and it was like the stereotype, like Sydney loved to flex on men customers who thought she didn't know anything. <laughs> yeah. And I would, I would be on the other side of the desk just laughing because she did know a lot. And, right. but because she was a woman, they wouldn't like, really value her opinion so i loved it whenever she kind of like post poked her chest out a little bit and like flexed on her knowledge base and then towards the end of it she could usually always woo everyone over and they'd be like oh man that's sydney she really knows what she's talking about so <laughs> so that that's kind of like the same thing you know just because it's a, a female voice don't discredit the fact of the knowledge base of what they have and Absolutely. that's that's a true testament of webcams like you said xrs only how long ago was that dude and they these ladies have been controlling most of the horsepower in the industry, you know, for 20 years. Right. Uh, so now that we're 2022, and I, and I asked this to some other guys too, and they had some pretty interesting answers, but I'm really curious to what you think is where, and we might piss some people off here in this show, Jamie, I just want to let you know. It's okay. Uh, what is the weakest engine 450 and 250 that you see and not in the fact of horsepower but just overall quality and reliability like when you bust this thing up you're like dude we have to change x y and z just to make it reliable to build any more horsepower you know not a lot just anything else so when I, okay like the the, the way if, if i had a full mod list of what each engine costs to build mm-hmm I would tell you that the Yamaha cost the most because of why? Because with that being said, we are replacing more OEM parts on that bike than any of the others. Okay. Um, in, and, and in fairness, like the Yamaha in stock trim mm -hmm. is going to last like where the, where the rev limiter goes stock cam chains don't have any issues. Okay. Where the rev limiter goes stock, connecting rods don't have any issues. Where the, I mean, and I can go on and on and on 
about all of these things. And it's always going to revert back to they've done a good job for what they're willing to let the thing rev to. You're not having any issues. So it's not really fair to bag on them because we're revving it a thousand RPM higher than the standard bike. Are we seeing some cam chain stuff or some bucket stuff or whatever it may be? So I would say that um, I, I wouldn't really go after the manufacturer because in their own right, like the KTM 250, we don't like the stock connecting rod because some of the design feature that's in it mm-hmm. um, doesn't support the piston as much as we would like. But however, the stock piston don't break. You know what I mean? So it's only whenever you get into our market of life of like squeezing and getting more out of them. So I don't even think that that's bad for me to say about any manufacturer or whatever, just because in their own right, stock production based i think they all do a pretty good job uh but that's why we have a business is because that room they leave on the table is where we work to get more performance yeah and, and i guess that's that could be a shock to the consumer like hey hey jamie i'm bringing my bike to you i want a you know a piston cam uh an ecu and i want some more power but you'll be like hey man we need to do a connecting rod first to make sure these mods that i do last correct yeah. Yeah. So, so like on, on, if, if we're doing a KTM 250 and we don't get to put our proprietary rod into it, I won't rev it any further and I won't put any compress like won't put half as much compression as we would with one of our full blown mod engines. Okay. So that, that is just like, you know, building to suit your market as well. Like there's not everybody out there who has all of the money in the world to just send it and say, Hey, we want an $11,000 motor. Like, those customers are few and far between. They almost don't exist. So you really are forced to dig into the reliability. So like those garage builds that you and I test, yeah, that's my opportunity to spend the least amount of money and get the most amount of power because that is likely what most of the consumers are willing to budget. I think everybody has like a funny money idea. Just because they can afford it don't mean that they want to. Correct. So somebody has a predetermined idea of what they're going to spend. And at that point to be a, you know, a company that's going to sustain the test of time, you have to listen to them come in at their budget or under and make sure that when they put, you know, they go over the seat there and the bike feels dramatically different. So that's, that's the ultimate goal. And, you know, I, I do have the opportunity to build those garage builds so i'm excited about doing those because it gives me opportunity to play with the new bikes tweak a couple things i think are going to make the biggest impact and then that helps to know obviously direction of the rest of the mod stuff as well like oh yeah this cylinder head works because we didn't really increase the compression and all of a sudden now we have a lot more power so what about if i'm a if i'm a consumer and i'm like hey jamie i got a for example any 250 i'll just say a honda 250 and I only, I'm on a budget. What do you recommend for me to get a little bit more juice out of my ride? Um, so uh, a Honda 250, we have, I mean, I'm working on this thing on the dyno more than I'm not right now, but we have, obviously, the electric water pump craze is alive and well. God, that thing um, goes crazy pump, after A1, dude. It did. It did. It skyrocketed. Um, so are you selling and, those now? Well, we, we have the wire harnesses prototyped. We have the pumps. We, we 3D printed our own pump head so that it, it 
works with the stock hose and is like amazingly beautifully tucked underneath the shroud to where it can't get any damage. Um, we pr- you'll laugh, but we printed some some stickers for the clutch cover that says you know electric water pump required. Um, <laughs> all of these little things that like whenever you bring a product to market and you modifying all of these things like these bikes are going to live in the hands of desert people or people who aren't serious about racing or you know right. they'll get used up in supercross and then sold off well i think maybe one of the reasons why we are going to be around i'm hopeful for is that we are all already respecting that guy who's going to get the bike next because if you do an electric water pump you we plug the um, you know all of the guts internally there on the clutch cover so the big clutch cover mm-hmm. so even the teams that we're doing it for we're requiring that they have spare clutch covers that are ready to go in the event that a mechanic pulls a wire harness or breaks something or whatever you know there's just a lot of risk to the consumer but i'm not afraid of that risk it just comes with also education to the consumer so we're you know we're doing our due diligence to make sure we're placarding if you would say the fact that hey if you're going to run this engine you got to run the electric water pump because water's not going to circulate without mm. it so okay so little things like that um that we're working on um but so so back to your question obviously the crf 250 um all the same stuff that apply to everything else porting cam timing uh we have our own connecting rod for that as well uh we have a you know a second injector kit uh vortex ecus uh, pistons, cams. Uh, I mean, you name it. It just the list goes on and on. So at some point, you know. So guys, say, hey man, I just want to run a stock muffler, and I want an ECU. Will that help them? Yeah, I mean, you can run the stock muffler and program the stock ECU, and that'll that'll help. So once going back to the OEMs, because that's like we're not developing the parts that are production. We're working with whatever they throw at us every year. Mm-hmm. You know, like that 21 Honda 450 threw one at us with the mapping. And so we just really have to pick up the pieces and figure out what's there. So, you know, a lot of times we are making sure we do our due diligence for the for the average guy who just wants to program an ECU or doesn't like the way his bike rides and wants to make a change to it. So so that's that's like the primary of the customer base is going to be those guys. And a byproduct of that is the fact that we're doing the race stuff. So. You know, you like if 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 I had a proper business manager, I'd be really interested in looking to see what our ECU profitability is, which is just required by me, mm-hmm. and then what our mechanic staff is for engine building and for what our accounting and for what like if I had buckets for all of them, I'd like to see which buckets were heavier. Um, but I know from experience that we have to have all of those entities to be as successful as we've been. And if we're missing one part of it, it doesn't really work. So, you know, we've had six engines in the 250 and six engines in the 450 main events. Right. I don't know what the percentage that is of 22, but it's it's a lot. That's huge. You know, like for, for it's one very small rare. company. Yeah. 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 So, so that's a you know a testament to hard work, um, being humble, never giving up, and always looking for something better. Um, it's just been, you know, it's one of those years where the hard work is meeting the rewards of connecting with good customers who go fast. So I, I talk to people know. about like ECUs, you know, and I know you do, you remap stock ECUs. We've done that obviously in the past and that still is available. So Honda's 
uh, old KTMs, you can do that, but you can't do it with the new KTMs because the box is locked, right? Yep, yep. 21, 22 KTMs are locked. And then Kawasaki's you can do stuff with, correct? Yep. Um, but yeah, I, so it's, it's really we, – we have a map for an RMZ250 on the stock ECU. Uh, but we don't have a lot of opportunity for customer for that. So we just really kind of go down the vortex route. And the reason being is just it's so tunable after after the purchase, you know, that you, you have so much options. Well, that's what I try um, to tell it, people, man. I go, look, if you're spending a 1000 bucks, you know, whatever, $1,000, $1,200 on ECU, that's about as much as a muffler. And for me, the variance between the muffler and, an, and a vortex is is huge. I can put on an aftermarket muffler and not – feel shit but i can put on a, a vortex map by you and i'm like wow that is that's a big difference i can feel that right away so i always try to guide people man if you want to spend some money and you want to feel the power don't always go to the muffler i'm saying some bikes react better to mufflers than others but in most cases the vortex is a better option you get more feel and horsepower and then i guess reliability is still pretty damn good with just an ecu right yeah, if you're if you're setting the engine up around the stock ECU, you're going to know the same things. Like if we sell a Vortex ECU for a Yamaha, let's mm-hmm. just not – we're hammering Yamahas, but we're just using them. Um, we're not going to rev the ECU as far as we're going to rev our race bikes. Right. Um, so knowing your customer keeps the reliability high. So whenever you fill out that mapping form with us, it's really important – that you put on there what you have because you may tell me you have a ported head a high compression piston and you know johnny's hop-up shop's done it all and it's flowed and blah 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 well i'm still not going to rev it any further because you haven't said you had valve springs or a connecting rod so you know what i mean and that so the reliability comes at knowing your customer it's kind of like going to a doctor dude and diagnosing your 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 ailments right like hey man what do you got uh, I got a stuffy yep. nose running like, okay, this is what we got for that. You know, it's almost like, yep. it's kind of like that. Like it's almost boutique-ish. Yeah. And, and going back to the pipe thing, um, it's of my opinion, I think might be a little bit different than yours, but it's not until you marry the ECU and the pipe together Correct. will you see the biggest impact from the pipe. So <clears throat> if, if the manufacturer has missed the mapping mark one way or another, the exhaust manufacturer has to create the best running exhaust based off of the standard map. Correct. So it's not like, you know, Yoshimura FMF and all these companies, they have a mapping expert on hand to, to go hand in hand with the pipe development guy. It's like, no, the bike comes, it's their job to make as much performance out of whatever is there. Um, so, so they're kind of handicapped at some stage too. That, you know, if the bike comes really lean and then they put a pipe on that maybe flows a little bit better in that area, it's going to go even leaner. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe some of the impact of, you know, the, the the pipe and the ECU going together is going to be how you're going to probably achieve, so you know. This is, a, this is something I've been wondering, too. So in the world of going from carburetor um, engines to uh, have an FI, okay, and the muffler manufacturers, and then we have sound requirements. Which one has the most impact on a muffler, do you think? So the sound requirements on the racing side actually increase performance. Okay. Um, Why is that? Well, you're going down in dBs and you're getting more performance? What does that mean? Well, bigger is not always better. 
you know, and, and four strokes need a certain amount of back pressure. Correct. I think you can attest to the fact of how you enjoy the inserts more on some bikes than maybe the others. Correct. Um, just cause it's louder. doesn't make it faster. Uh, so, so with that being said, you know, we actually picked up some performance whenever we switched from, you know, the seat test where they doing sound with a little, you know, vibration meter versus yeah. the two meter max. Cause it kind of strong armed, I guess the pipe manufacturers into looking at some different technology that hadn't been in our sport yet. And, you know, like suspended strainers and other things that are now in chamber cores and stuff like that. It used to kind of be primarily, you know, inch and three quarter inch, seven, eight straight quarter, you know, it was just, that's how you did it. And so, I'm not going to say that that was a bad thing. Um, it definitely opened the door for more de- exhaust development that everybody had to get on board with, you know, to meet these mm-hmm. racing requirements. Also, too, what I like about what you do, like you, you design your your very um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like you, you're a thinker, right? So you design these things. You see something that could be improved. You're like, oh, I can make that better. Like, for example, the exhaust flange. It's a it's a piece. I had a guy today at Glen Helen. This is a per- perfect example. The guy today, Glenn Helen, bought your exhaust flange, right? He mm-hmm. brings it over to me. He has the stock one. He has yours on his KTM 450, and he goes, Kiefer, what's the difference? Like, I don't see shit. So I pointed it out, the difference. You know, there's that minute difference in, in the shape of it, right? And I go, and I explained yep. to him what that does. And he's like, really? You think that's going to make a difference? And I'm like, dude, honestly, like, when Jamie gave it to me, I was like, holy shit, that's a, that's a noticeable change. And he wrote it. And he comes back and he's like, oh, my God, dude. He's like, that was a bigger difference for me than it was my muffler. So just things like that is very cool. And I I was like, God, it's something so small can make a huge difference on a four-stroke nowadays. And then I see, you know, the second injector thing is all the rage. Cowie comes with it stock, correct? Yep. Cowie and Suzuki both come stock. And we put it on most of the other manufacturers. Uh, if if the bike has a KTM throttle body or can fit a KTM throttle body, we typically wouldn't see a second injector be beneficial. Uh, that that style of throttle body, that you know, it sprays right at the butterfly and just kind of makes a massive explosion. That's kind of you know. So explain the second the, injector to people that don't know what that is. I guess. So the second injector isn't for more fuel. Uh, we're actually phasing between front injector and rear injector. So when you called and you heard the dyno running and I ran out of there to take your phone call, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I like to obviously start on the front injector. And then at some point, usually typically with RPM, I'll start scheduling the fuel to go to the rear injector and in like sort of a sweep pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it like our first second injectors for our Yamaha's like on the dyno made really good power. Uh, it wasn't until I actually got to ride one. It felt like it shifted gears. Hmm. I mean, you came out of a turn and it was like kind of, you know, good running. And then all of a sudden it was like, it was like a half gear. It just like the afterburners kicked in. Wow. So I thought, well, that ain't right. Um, it was annoying to me because all of a sudden I'm like trying to gauge a jump and then the thing like surges and it goes weird. Yeah. Yep. So, so we started sweeping and doing our own kind of philosophy on, on how to bring in that second injector. And that's been what has made the thing ultra smooth. Uh, typically whenever you're putting the injector further back in the plenum, it does a couple things. It kind of tricks the airbox into thinking you have a longer Venturi, uh, cause it fills the chamber with, you know, a mist of fuel. Mm-hmm. 
And then um, also, too, it gives it a little bit more time to atomize. So it's it's kind of more or less like if you threw a match into a five-gallon bucket, you know, it probably might even go out. bucket of gas might go out. But if you lit a vapor, right. you know, it's it's going to light really quick. So that's a terrible analogy, but it probably gets past most. Oh, yeah, now I see that. No, I get that. I actually understood that, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that yeah, usually so, it's not a common thing in 450s, though, right? No, because the velocity – of the 450 and the rpm isn't as high okay so like give to give it a, give you an example um our second injector kit fit the yamaha 450 no problem because at in the beginning stages we were using the yamaha 450 hair boot with some extensions and try to make it work um and so i prototyped it i put it on a 450 because it just went right on it was like hey might as well try it um because there was a lot of flat track guys and stuff like that that believed that that was the answer to more horse pressure and um and so I, I i told this guy i'm like dude i can make the same amount of power with it after i'm scheduling it doing all kinds of stuff um the 450 is pretty efficient and you know he was like gutted that it wasn't the direction and i said look it and in fairness it may have been worth track testing you know like there could have been some attributes that made the 450 more manageable right. or whatever mm-hmm. but it's, you know, I'm in the same boat as the pipe guy. If you're making an exhaust that doesn't make more horsepower than the stock one and some engine guy across the world puts it on a dyno and sees that it makes less, it's really difficult to to sell that product, you know, across the masses. And then, you know, we have like a human dyno like yourself who is out there riding it and, and can tell tell a guy like me, no, this feels better. This feels better. Why won't you listen to me? It feels better. Right. Well, it still makes it hard to sell because I'm in that situation where now I have to like try to convince them that it's better because their dyno guy showed it made less power. And (laughs) so I just really don't have time for products. That's not going to make more power and it's not clear and easy to see. And I don't want to have to be that persuasion guy that has to like I guess I can understand that. It's funny because I talked to Chad about the same thing, and I'm like, look, I'm not a fan of dinos. I know you guys need them as a tool to develop what you guys are using, and I've worked with engineers and argued with those guys at Yamaha for years when I was there in-house. And I, what, how you just explained it, I never really thought about that because consumers want to see it, right, first. They have to see it. Right. Otherwise, you're you're a flake. You're a joke. You right. Even be, you know, it, how's this guy still in business? Like, all of it, so. And and I, and I understand that because people get hard ons for dyno sheets. Like, it's just oh, is it? How, did you dyno it? And I go, no, I didn't fucking dyno it. Like, I just wrote it, and I'm telling you how it is. We'll put it on the dyno. This guy asked me for a dyno chart on on a twin air power flow kit for a YZ450. I'm like, I don't fucking dyno my shit. I'm just telling you what it feels like. If you like that feeling, you want it, go that way. But as a business owner like yourself, I can understand that now. Never even thought of it like that. Crazy. So, so my, my biggest pride of this whole deal is I've never posted one porting picture and Mm -hmm. I've never posted one dynograph. I've built this whole company based on, if you don't trust me, you know, we, we really probably can't do business together. Um, it's, 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 it's like measuring your dick from behind your balls. Right. You know what I mean? Like, hey, it's you know, fucking fake advertisement. Dude. It is. It is. <laughs> and it, and it's always going to get exposed. Yeah. You know, it's going to come out the minute that you lay that thing out there. You're going to 
like yeah they're gonna know and so i don't like the idea of playing the dino trickery i don't like the idea of doing that to try to woo in customers so i would like to think that you know we've been successful without having to do that and that is one of the core values that like you know i'm trying to make sure i maintain is that hey this is something you're going to feel you're going to notice it i'm not going to have to talk you into it if it makes <laughs> it to a dyno it's going to work so those those are those are all like honesty integrity power is our tagline right. and whenever stuff goes a little sideways you i just try to look back to that and think i have to stay in line with it and i i just that's the way we do it Sorry to bother you with the commercial, but we're going to do these right now. Stay tuned. Listen to these suckers because they're going to save you some money. We'll be right back. ScreenPrintingDone.com My dream is the world's most powerful t-shirt. Do you want to look good, but you ain't got the money? Trying to get some t-shirts made? Yeah, Go to ScreenPrintingDone.com This is a t-shirt. You can get anything you want on that t-shirt. I'm about to show you guys how y'all can look fly. Your business name. That's my business. Your kid's name. Oh, Billy. Your favorite phrase, like let's go, buddy, or free jailbirds. I agree. Anything at all. Screenprintingdone.com. T-shirt printing business. Mention Kiefer on your next order and get 10 free T-shirts. That's what I'm talking about! Screenprintingdone.com. Hey, Kiefer, what oil should I run? What weight should I run? Lots of emails coming in about oil. You know what I choose? Bloodlubricants.com 1040 Pro Series Synthetic Oil. If you guys haven't run Blood Lubricants Synthetics, you should try it. Email Jeff over there at Blood Lubricants, info at bloodlubricants.com. Mention the code Kiefer, get 25% off a case of oil. I run the 1040 Pro Series in all of my test bikes here. It works great. Keeps the engine cooler as well. Clutch life is enhanced and longer. I go through clutches on that Yamaha YZ450F every 10 hours. Now I can go 15 hours. So great oil. Email Jeff over there. Use the code. Save yourself some money. Email me, chris at keyforinktesting.com. If you have any questions about the oil, I'm happy to help. Ride-engineering.com. You guys want to get some clamps, some bar mounts, some chain blocks, uh, brake calipers. Adrian over there at Ride Engineering has a lot of quality parts. And if you use the code KT20, that'll save you 20% off what he offers over there. So that's ride-engineering.com. And he is not only the guy who tests the parts. I mean, I help him as well. But he also has an engineering degree. Holy crap. So go check him out, ride-engineering.com. Use the code KT20 to save some money. You guys out there tweaking on handlebars and grips? Trust me, I do it almost daily. If you're looking for a strong bar but yet has a lot of flex, look no further than the Pro Taper Evo bar. It is my favorite bar out there on the market right now. Why? They have great bends. The bar flexes. I don't get vibration from the bar. I'm getting older. I want some flex in my bar, but yet I want it to be strong. And Pro Taper has the strongest and the lightest bar out there. That actually flexes. So go check them out, protaper.com. I'm currently using uh, SX Race Bend on my Yamahas. There is a brand new bend that's just coming out right now. You guys should see that. It is called Race Team Bend, and that is what we use over on Aiden's KTM and my KTM here uh, in the shop. So protaper.com. They have race cut grips. They have sprockets. They have chains, all different kinds of things 
Go check them out, protaper.com. Maybe you're at home or in the car and you listen to the Kiefer Tested Podcast. Maybe you already own a home. Maybe you're looking to purchase. You know what? Rates are down, so maybe you should try refinancing now. I know Heather and I just did. You can pull cash out, debt consolidation, or maybe you just need some credit score advice. Deal with a professional that has been in the business for 25 years, dude. And this guy rides. He's a good dude. Zach Morris. No, not saved by the bell, Zach Morris. He's licensed in California, Nevada, and Colorado. You can call or text Zach at Plum Creek Funding, 720-212-4685. If you guys have any questions about Zach, hit me up, chris at keferinktesting.com, or just simply text him yourself, 720-212-4685. Plum Creek Funding, Zach Morris, hit him up. For motocross riders driven to dominate, the Yamaha YZ line of four-stroke bikes are built for victory. Visit Power Motorsports today to explore what's new and improved for 2022. The YZ450F and YZ250F bring the performance with power for four-stroke engines, reduced unsprung weight, and new suspension settings. For the look of a full factory ride, just like what you guys see on Saturday night, both the YZ450F and YZ250F come in exclusive Monster Energy Yamaha Racing Edition graphics packages. And you can take precision tunability to the next level with Yamaha's exclusive and industry's only free power tuner app. Visit Power Motorsports today, find your Yamaha YZ, and enter the victory zone. Get your new Yamaha at Power Motorsports in Sublimity, Oregon. Let them know you heard it on here. That's right, the Kiefer Tested Podcast. Get your best deal and best pricing wherever it is. Right here, North America. I don't care where you're at, Maine, California, Florida, Washington. Go visit them, powermotorsports.com. Dress properly for your ride with a helmet, eye protection, riding jacket, or long sleeve shirt, long pants, gloves, and boots. Do not drink and ride. It is illegal and dangerous. Yeah, you guys know that time punishes you if you're not on top of your game. Look, I'm a competitive guy at 45. My kid is 15, and he is right on me every time we go out to the track. But you know what? You know what takes the guesswork out of who's the king for the day, who gets to talk trash on the way home? That's right. You can measure your lap times. You can reach your full potential. And, of course, you'll never guess where you're gaining or losing time. Go to litprolive.com. You can email me, chris, at keferinktesting.com for a discount code on one of their GPS receivers. Getting started is super easy with LitPro. Pick a GPS receiver, download the app, and add a subscription, and then you're on your way to improve your lap times, get a better result as your, you know, than your buddy. That's right, because there's nothing better than bragging rights when you're on your way home. You throw your guy a text. Who got the best of you, baby? That's right, I did. And you want to know how to do it? Lip Pro. Aiden and I have been on this for about a year now. Super easy to use. Look, I am not a tech-savvy guy, and Lip Pro is super easy for me and Aiden to navigate, and uh, I think it would be a great benefit to you guys out there. So hit me up, chris at keferinktesting.com. Go to Lip Pro Live. You guys want to see anything related to how to keep time, how to improve your lap times, what section you want to improve on, all those things and more over on LipProLive.com. All right, we're back. 
Thanks for hanging tight. More with Jamie. It's funny because <laughs> me and you have this conversation all the time with the track. You're like, you're going to be able to feel this. And I'm like, Jamie, don't give me that much. Like, I don't want all that. You're like, well, we're going to start here. Then we can always, it's way easier to dial it back down than it is to get it. Yeah. And I just, yep. I always laugh at that because I'm like, oh man, here we go. It's going to be, it's going to be a rocket ship. And then you're like, okay, you always can know when I'm coming here, like, oh, I'm going to give it the key for him to dumb it down a little bit so he doesn't get upset because it's so fast. <laughs> well, and that's, that's kind of how you just, I mean, if, I don't know. Whenever I was at Rockstar Suzuki, uh, going back to that whole deal, you know, I was a mechanic there and I started building the engines in 2011. I took over the engine department and then all of 2012. And then, you know, we had some success, some whole shots and podiums. We hired Davey Millsaps. He was coming from JGR. You know, we're just some, you know, a, a, a group of dudes who are now, you know, doing their own engine program. Um, paving our own path because nobody, you know, yeah. gave us the keys to, to the engine department. You know, now I'm dealing, building pistons and cams and all the stuff like I do today. Um, and Davey Millsaps was second in the championship for years. So, you know, I think he was a couple years there, second in the championship. Yeah. No, Suzuki, dude, he killed it on Suzuki. He was really right. Good. And, and, and I will say the, my, the favorite part about that whole year was he told me in the beginning that how fast the JGR motors were and all this stuff. And, and he's like, I'll guarantee you, you can't build a motor. That's too fast for me. I can ride anything, you know, cause it's just Davey. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and so I, I said, all right, well, I'm going to try, you know, maybe I can't, but I'm just going to put my best foot forward. And so at some point I did win that argument and oh. that, was obviously you know so so i love a challenge i love you know all of it as far as it goes whenever it comes to like hey we need more of this we need more of that um and then it's whenever you marry that with budget and you can actually spend money to develop things um that's the way it goes so i, I would probably say my biggest problem being a business owner and my accountant being mad at me all the time she's like why the hell did you spend this much money in water pumps? Where are you putting these water pumps on? I think I ordered 20 of them. Oh shit. And I'm like, I'm like, well, we got to have them. I don't know what to tell you. So I just look at her and she looks at me and I can tell she's pissed. And, um, so that's, so that's probably my biggest fault is just spending too much money back in development. Cause it's really what my passion is. Yeah. I mean, so do you see that, do you see that coming to fruition with, with production bikes, the electrical water pump? Do you see that happening, you think? Um, well, it's a risk. I yeah. mean, it depends on how small they can make it. Uh, but radiator hoses are a risk. As you can see, over the weekend, we lost, I think there was a 450 out there. Might have lost some water, and, and we got... Was that a cap, involved. or was that a hose? I don't know. Oh, That's okay. speculation. Okay. But our, our bike was a hose. Um, and the team openly posted about it you know, on their social media. So I can talk about that, but when was this? Uh, hold yeah, on, just, hold on. Step back. What, what team? Cause you have more than one. Oh yeah. Club MX. Okay. Got so it. with March bank, I yeah. don't know if you saw how fast the dude was going, but it was very sad to see the bike start smoking. So in that first turn pile up somehow, some way somebody hit a coolant hose and it lost all of its water, but the bike made it, I think 10 minutes into the main with no water. And he was moving. The dude was rolling. So it was just, was really sad that does suck because it was a good whoop section for him because he kills it there yeah yeah uh i want to talk about oil because i get a lot of emails about oil 
Yep. So th- there's a lot of good oil out there. Well, that's what I'm saying. Um, so, like, if you're you have your own bike, you're not getting paid by anybody. What oil and what weight? How often are you cha- like? Give us the rundown. So, the the oil the oil changing intervals yes are based off of the clutching of the athlete. So, with that being said, like you know, if if you can make it four hours on oil. And when you drain it, how it looks, that'll determine if you can go six hours on oil. Um, and if you drain it, you see how it looks. So service intervals are based off of the rider, obviously, obviously. Uh, the rider. Yeah. So <laughs> so I would think that, you know, on all the race teams I've been on, we would change oil every other day. But these guys are top athletes who ride harder, you know, than most and sometimes clutch more than most. So some some guys you have to put oil every day. You know, just right. to save money on clutches, because once the oil starts breaking down, the lubricity of what's going on there doesn't protect the clutch as much. And then now all of a sudden you're spending more money. So a cheaper oil change sometimes can save some money. Uh, but so so the service intervals are going to be per customer. Um, I think that there's a lot of good oil out there. If I'm spending my own money on oil, which nobody gives it to me, I like Motul. It um, seems to be a, a, a common theme with engine builders is Motul. Well, and at first I looked at it with one eye closed, like, eh, I don't know about this stuff. Cause it looked funny. It looked gimmicky. It's neon green. Um, and then, you know, we had a dry clutch scenario on a YZ 250F, I think back in 2017 or something. And somebody said, Hey, try this oil. And I had some in the van cause I was already interested in it. And then we put it in that day cause the clutch was kind of palpitating in the whoops. And I pulled the clutch apart that night when we got back to the shop, washed the bike, and the whole clutch was like drenched in this green stuff. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have any more palpitations. So I'm like, all right, well, now let's go and see when the next thing, you know, when when we pull the engine apart, how does it look? So then when you pull the engine apart, the cams are soaked in this neon green stuff and everything's just like I don't know that it's just visual because it has some tint or dye to it, mm-hmm. but it did like did function so i'm like okay well let's look at it at the next or you know i'm still leery about it so anyway we use a lot of motul uh maxima has really good product everything you can trust from maxima i don't know if you're a maxima guy but they're definitely hardcore to the sport of motorcycling um their products are trustable um the motor x stuff you know we do a lot of the orange brigade rider stuff so some of the guys use motor x uh two-stroke oil uh, bottom end oil, it all, it all goes pretty good. So I would say between those brands and just because of my lack of experience with the others, we just kind of stay in our window. Right. Um, I, I would say that, you know, oil is like a religion. They all try to pitch it to you. Like, Oh, this is the best shit. You know, like Rotella use Rotella, you know, this stuff's better, you know, synthetic, non-synthetic. So you just gotta like, what I try to tell consumers is like, pick what you believe in. And if it's it's good and you've had zero problems with it, try to stick with something like that. Yeah, yeah. I always think, you know, you're you're better off to know who the dad is. Exactly. <laughs> you know, if, let it be no questions. Pick something, stick to it. Right. And whenever, um, you know, whenever you have a problem, at least you know you've been consistent. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't go around the block blocking flavors with oil. I would, if you have something that's working good for you, chance, and you're you're draining it, and it's looking the way it should you know it's not black it doesn't smell funny 
and you know all of those things are coming together i would say just stay put stay with it you know and the only thing i will say is i i have used rotella in the past i have used del delco i think the blue stuff in the past like dello dello yep, yep. Mm-hmm. and i don't typically go that direction because they're not in the motorcycle community correct uh i think that i think that their oil is good it's fine but i like to support the people that are you know showing up at the races and sponsoring these race teams and whatever so whenever i buy stuff i try to buy in that direction it feels good so that's really you know another thing let's talk about your suzukis that are just shredding the starts dude yep yep uh, it's pretty impressive like <laughs> A lot of people shit on Suzuki, obviously, because they've been stagnant for a while. But uh, according to Mumford, and I talked to Mumford, he's like, dude, uh, he loves his engine. He thinks it's one of the fastest he's ever ridden. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're good. They're, they're really good, actually. Um, How much work it, is involved in that thing? The same amount as everything else. Okay. Um, we, we've just had more opportunity if, if like, so what, what advantage I had was I just worked on one brand. So my thought process was just one brand. Okay. So that's an advantage, but a bigger advantage is working on all the brands because you can kind of learn some, I always thought that pro circuit had, had an advantage over the field back whenever, you know, we were racing them because they built parts for all of them. So that means they got to see in all of them. And I will say that it is an advantage. Like, you know, we work with some top-level teams that we don't do the engines for. Uh-huh. Um, whenever they need help, you know, we'll we'll bail them out. And it's almost like through our our talk path, they're they're just so stuck in that one rut that basically they don't know a different solution because they only know it to be that way. Got it. So that that I would say is our advantage of working on all the brands. Is there is there one uh, this this is a question I thought about just now when you said that is there something that you learned from one brand that can cross over to another? Of course, okay. all the time. Wow. Okay. Um, and and that's where you have to not be stubborn. Um, I I often um like to you know keep my brain moving. Yeah. Because. If you are stubborn and you think, oh, compression, 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 you got to have it because it worked on one bike, Mm -hmm. it may not work in all of the other brands. Um, And 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 like, let's say on a on a Suzuki where you would think, oh, well, the technology, you know, hasn't been updated since 2019. Um, So so at some point you're looking at, okay, do I need to to try to advance this? myself or am what i'm doing working you know and and that's whenever you really have to stay open-minded to future product development and sometimes make a piston that i think is hideous but if it needs a compression and you know you have to do it so so yeah we we try to we start with applying all of the same physics across all brands and then we go in brand specifically to find the little niches and things that make that bike excel. So that's 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 the starting process to the development train. How many employees you got now? Um, I actually don't know. I would say with accounting and everything, we might be ten or eleven. Not everybody's full time. Um, I, I have you know, 
I have a lot of part-time help people that can kind of come in and, and throw some wrenches around when we need to. Um, our goal, I guess we could do some sort of a number here, but our goal is to have three full-time engine builders um, uh, ahead of, you know, machining right. as far as that goes. And then that, that position also helps me with development. Um, that's a, that's a key position. And I have a very bright, bright minded staff who, you know, can all kind of get in there and help, um, two people in the accounting department, two people in the office. So, I mean, the numbers add up quick. Um, Sydney's gone. Uh, yeah. Sydney's gone. She moved to Texas. Oh, that's right. She's, Dang. Yep. She's out of here. Her and Nick, um, yeah, Nick, Nick was working. BP fuels yep. and he relocated to, I think maybe the Texas office, his mom and dad kind of did the California sell and move scenario and, uh, and they both all went. So, so yeah, sad, sad to lose Sydney, but I, I message her back and forth almost every day. That's cool. All right. So if guys want to go to twisted, how do they get a hold of you? How do they get their stuff there? So best thing to do is to kind of have an idea of what your funny money is. Uh, if you're looking to make an impact, how how much financially? Um, we don't do the same amount of work and just, you know, make more money off of you if you spend more or less money. The money that you spend is going to be allocated to, A, I don't do any aluminum anodized colored bits. If Thank I'm selling you. it to you, it makes power. Right. Um, so and and then once again going back to the the posting of dyno runs and stuff like that um if you trust us we're going to apply your money in the best possible situation and build uh you know an engine package that's based around your needs your service intervals whatever whatever your requirements are so that's that's really the best way is have an idea of what you're looking to spend call the shop if if it's really custom i mean if you just want an ecu or um, or some of our hard parts, you can go to td-racing.com, cruise around the website, just buy some stuff off of it. Uh, whenever you buy an ECU, there's a mapping form. The more you fill out is the better we can detail of the maps that we have to make sure that that's going on. Um, other than that, call the shop. Uh, typically, in the contact area, you're going to get Kevin or Sherby. And um, and those two guys are super knowledgeable. They want to help. They want to know, you know, how we can build something for you. Yeah. So that that's really how it goes. If you you know if you want to send us an email, it's just sales at td-racing.com. You can get a lot of questions answered there. Uh, obviously, you know, being part of the Kiefer family has been awesome. Yeah. If you, if you don't get a hold of Jamie, don't freak out on me. Like, look, Jamie's busy. <laughs> Jamie's got to actually do the work, people. So he's not customer service. Sometimes you. You may get Jamie, but relax. He's got to do the work, right? Yep, yep. And that and that's just it. I mean, I put really good people in place who are knowledgeable. And, you know, if if they can't help you, obviously we always figure out some way somehow. So, um, so yeah, so, so having a, a predetermined idea of how fast you need your engine back is also a good step of the process. Oh, you just uh, don't open that can of worms. Well, I, it's not really a can of worms because <laughs> we try to be upfront and foremost about obviously time of the year, what's going on. Right. Um, I my kids raced the Moto for Kids race at Paulo this weekend, and a lady wanted me to take home a sixty-five, and I just said, "Look, I apologize, but you might be better off 
choosing someone else if you need this thing back in that time frame. Correct. And so that goes back to our honesty, integrity, power. But I mean, everybody wants everything back as fast as possible. And, and I want them to have it back as fast as possible too. We just can only work within the constraints of obviously the world that we're living in right now with COVID and, you know, yeah, manufacturing parts are tough and, to get sometimes. Yep. It, it's, it's changed the game completely. Right. And one of the things that I feel that we've been the most successful on is involving the customer with the search. Um, the way it goes, you know, you send an engine to the shop, you already have an estimate, we tear it down, pay the deposit, we order the parts, parts are on back order. I say, hey, customer, you know, I can't find these parts. Do you have anybody in your network who might have these parts? So I can't, as a business, order the parts and just like pass the retail plus 30% onto the customer. But if the customer finds the parts, it's cool because they're willing to know right. and be involved in the search and actually pay, you know, oh, you know, I'll pay whatever to get them. And then sometimes, too, their buddy has five pistons in the garage, you know, so it's it's really worked out that if we're all looking. It's like a race to who can find the back ordered parts the fastest. And then guess what? The engine gets put back together faster and customers happy. Yeah. So. In this world we live in right now as a consumer, you got to be a little bit more patient, people. Uh, it's just I don't I don't blame them. Yeah, and I and I don't I either. Don't. But I'm just saying you you gotta kind of like chill out a little bit and know that it's not three years ago. We are living in a different time. Gear, motorcycle parts, everything is slower to get to us. It's just it is what it is right now. And if and if you come with that mindset, like hey, it might be a little bit longer, and you get it back sooner, you're surprised. Like so, don't set yourself up for failure. <laughs> just relax. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and. And like I said, I mean, if, if I, I always put myself in the customer shoes and if, if I, you know, wanted my engine back, I'd be calling all the time too. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a dirt bike. So you gotta, you gotta ride, yeah. right? You become an asshole when you don't ride. God knows Heather knows that. <laughs> I, uh, I quit riding before Anaheim because I got so nervous about injury and potentially <sighs> not being there to finish all of these builds that we're doing and everything. And so like, I'm scratching, I'm finally like, as soon as these East Coast motors are done, um, we swing right into the Texas Nationals. So that that's another push for us. <laughs> but I've, I'm I'm ready to ride again. Oh my god! So I'm feeling. I don't it. even think I've ever told you this. I've seen you around for years before I actually met you, right? But dude, uh-huh. you have the gnarliest RDF going on that I was always so scared to talk to you. Like you look mad. <laughs> And then you talk, and I talk to you. I'm like, oh, shit, he's just a fucking teddy bear. Like, he's a nice guy smiling. I go, oh, there's the smile. Like, it's, it's, I'm not scared anymore. But, dude, when you see your face when you're walking through the pits, and, and, and like I said, this 2000, you know, like you said, 13, 14, I was like, fuck, I ain't talking to Jamie. I'm scared. I don't want to talk to that guy. That guy's going to bite my head off. But then you talk to him, and you're just like, you're a nice guy. So, people, don't be scared. If you see Jamie, talk to him. He's a nice guy. Nah, I'm just really determined. So, whatever I'm doing is the most important thing to me at the moment. Um, and that's, <laughs> I just see your like, face. It's red. And I just see your eyes. I'm just like, Oh my gosh, I'm out. I'm not going over there. <laughs> FMF did that unsung heroes photo of me at Anaheim. Uh-huh. Uh, when Anderson was winning the championship. And I look like the biggest asshole in that photo. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I wasn't sleeping. I just got a vasectomy. I like, <laughs> I'll be pissed too. Then <laughs> I probably was mad. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, it was, 
these massive bags under my eyes just getting to Anaheim working like crazy. Yeah, you guys work your ass off, man. It's crazy. Like, they see the teams, and we all watched on Saturday night, and we're like, ah, it's cool, but there's a lot of work that goes in before that, man. It's crazy. Yep. It's uh, it, it's never ending. That's for sure. Like I said, we uh, we 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 got everybody up and going for West Coast. We're trying to finish up on the Club MX practice engines right now. Um, we got the you know new practice engines for the West Coast guys, so we're finishing those. Uh, Firepower Honda engines are all on the deck to be assembled this week. We've done a ton of development stuff. Luckily, Mark Samuels bought us a bike early because you know he's racing him. Yep. So, um, so that's been pretty cool that we've, you know, had a chassis and, and a bunch of time to, to really work on our Honda package. Um, and then you're going to see, you're going to start rolling in some, uh, new KTMs here soon, man. Yep. Yep. We're going to, I, I mean, that, KTMs that happens are... for me next week. So we get our bikes next week. Oh yeah. Yeah. So if you need I, a... um, I put in to buy one just because it's a really important bike for us. Um, and I think it's going to need you know, a lot of attention. So I put in to buy one. 450 or 250? 250. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, working with the Rocky Mountain ATV team, they're going to get me a 450 early because we're going to race 450s potentially outdoors. Oh, the new one outdoors. Yep. So I'll have a development <laughs> path for one I just have to work on. And this new Honda has been big for us. I mean, I'm really excited about where we got to with it. Um, Is it better and- platform for you, the engine builder, than last year? So we're making more power than we did with our 21 spec Hondas, like bottom torque, like all the way up the face. We're making more performance with that platform. Yep. Um, now that the, um, the cams are not fixed, meaning you can redegree them and that opens the table for someone to build a billet cam. So we're, you know, we're, we're, that's our next big step as far as testing, testing, testing is going to be cam stuff. And, um, yeah, like I said, we have a second injector, manual tensioners, all the stuff is all ready to go, water pumps. Um, but the bike is the bike is really good. You know, Jordan Smith says that it's good, and Jared yeah, Fry's been riding. And, they got a good tester, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, I appreciate you doing this. Again, if you guys want to uh, hit Jamie up and go to td-racing.com, correct? Yep, yep, td-racing.com. And, and then also on Instagram, Twisted Development Racing. It's a good place to to find us. Yeah, and if you have any questions, hit me up, Chris, at keyforinktesting.com. I'm happy to help and uh, be the middleman here, too. That's what we do over here at Key for Ink Testing. So thank you, Jamie. We appreciate it, and I'm sure I'll see you at the track. Hopefully you get the ride soon so you're not such a dick. <laughs> well i i also say i want to appreciate what you do buddy um i think you're a loud voice to the to the end consumer and they know whenever they can you know get something from you it's a no bullshit attestment and that's that's also something i really pride you into so congratulations well, I, keep up the hard work thank you i appreciate that and uh i'll see you soon all right buddy see ya bye see ya.